How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. Hey, how's it going, friends? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and today we're going to be talking to my good friend and YouTube mentor, Adam Linkenauger. Now, Adam is a former seven-time ACC champion athlete at Clemson, an ACC champion coach at Virginia Tech, turned YouTuber, an eventual successful business consultant after failing to make the 2008 Beijing Olympics. Now, Adam decided once he didn't successfully accomplish his dream, he'd help others accomplish theirs, which led him to leverage YouTube to build his world-leading basketball training company, I Love Basketball. And then after helping build the second leading basketball training company as well, Adam became a business consultant, leveraging YouTube as the, as the centerpiece to his unique business model, which has led to helping build market-leading channels across numerous spaces, such as basketball, golf, language, fitness, Running, yoga, business, meditation, real estate, and a whole lot more. Now, in this episode, we talk about how getting cut from the Olympics absolutely changed his life for the better. We dig into the three most important things to growing a YouTube channel from zero. The number one hack that he knows to grow your following bigger than Gary Vee and get you 80% more traffic. And why letting go of your ego is one of the most important things you can learn to do in business. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. And for all of our shit you don't learn in college fans out there, if you've gotten any value from our podcast, don't forget to go to www.sidlickbook.com to grab your copy of the number one bestseller, Shit You Don't Learn in College, available now. All right, how's it going, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. I'm your host, and today we've got my friend and my YouTube mentor, Adam Linkenauger. Adam, welcome to the party. Man, thank you so much for being here. I'm I'm pumped. I've I've listened and watched so many of these. I'm excited to finally uh, be on this end of the the video now. So this I'm, is cool. I'm glad I'm glad to get you on this end of the video. So this is this is exciting, man. Now um, I'm sure we'll go kind of back through your your story a little bit and how you got to where you are. But before you do that, I I got to ask the question for the audience: How many views do you have on YouTube? Oh man, I mean we've heck at this point probably internally 250 million um but across so just, all just channels yeah right yeah probably over a billion between clients partners so you know definitely wow. pretty pretty good yeah so you know a thing or two about youtube and we'll we'll dig into that in in just a minute but for for the audience who doesn't know adam um i'd love for you to dig in a little bit to to how we got here your your background as an athlete as a coach and uh, eventually as a uh, you know, an online like coach and teacher and, and now a business consultant. 
Absolutely. Well, you know, it's a it was a fun little journey. It started off uh, on a dairy farm in, in Virginia where I grew up. I was uh, a jump. I loved to jump. Weirdly enough, that was my thing. Is I was that weird kid who was who in gym class would always try to couldn't dunk. stop jumping. Couldn't stop jumping. So I would jump electric fences and jump hay bales and do all this this crazy farm stuff to to you know show off for for the ladies or make some money for people who bet me I wouldn't do these things. You know, yeah. uh, it's that that kid at the, the the parties in high school that would jump the fire. I was that weirdo. Um, but you know, anyway, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a big fan of weirdos. By the way, I think this is why we get along so well. Exactly right. Um, but you know, I, I determined that hey, um, you know, I don't know if my D average in high school is going to really amount to much for me. Um, so I didn't have any plans of going to college. wasn't really interested in college, and I had one of the weirdest. Um, stories ever it's one of those unheard of movie like stories where i was asked by a coach hey why don't you come out and try the high jump and i was yeah. like okay cool i was about i thought i was a basketball player i had a broken jump shot horrible shooter but loved the game of basketball he asked yeah. me to come out i was like cool i'll come out and you know I'll, I'll jump around between you know just to stay in shape for basketball yeah well in a matter of a few weeks i was the state champion <laughs> I literally picked up this sport and it became just, it, it was so natural to me. Um, I went from never doing it to being literally a, a state champion high jumper in a matter of, of weeks. It was unbelievable wow. watching that progression to where in that time frame went from, hey, you know, not going to go to college to colleges coming after me and saying, hey, we yeah. want you to come here. Um, long story short, fast forward, that was my junior year. Your, your, D, uh, your D average wasn't as concerning anymore to, was, to some of these? <laughs> it wasn't as, as concerning, shocking enough. Apparently, if you're good at a sport, they, they don't care as much. Huh? Who would have thought, right? Um, yep. Yeah, but became a three-time All-American, one national champion in the high jump as a senior. Um you know, my at the at the time it was really cool. I, I met Bill Cosby. He's who gave me the award. Not so cool anymore, unfortunately. <laughs> not so, but not so cool anymore. <laughs> right. Very but cool went, at the time now. <laughs> right. Went to Clemson. Uh, became you know had eight different ACC championship opportunities. I won seven of them. Um, won six in a row. Lost my senior year, um, and then won my final one, uh, which was seven out of eight, which was a, a record for the ACC when it comes wow. to winning a single event championship championship um you know and I'll, I'll speed through the story because I'm, I'm moving a little slow here but uh went pro went for a year pro training for the Beijing Olympics ranked somewhere in the top five I like to say I was number two other people like to argue that that point of course the competitors um but getting ready for the Beijing Olympic trials um everything looked good I had jumped over the A standard which was the necessity to go to the the Beijing Olympics and I ended up getting hurt a few weeks before. Wasn't even a cool injury. Pulled a hamstring. Agent fired me on the spot. Sponsor fired me on the spot. And then wow. I had to determine I have to do something with my life. So what was, before we move forward sure, from that, what, absolutely. What was, what was that like for you? Like you, you've now you know gone from from jumping hay bales to you know this has quickly become your entire life, right. and and now you know the track to go to the Olympics, and then kind of having that you know, seemingly ripped out from under you. What was that like? Yep. Well, it was, it was the most painful experience. And to me, 
even more. It was it was always a goal. I had we have this weird book that I I wrote in when I was like six or seven that had all my yeah. goals and you know being an Olympian. I didn't know how, but being an Olympian was a goal. You know, as a wow. child, and then it became realistic in high school. Like, oh wait a second, I can actually do this. Then yeah. college came along, and I was like, oh wait, I I really really this, can this, do this. This could actually happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and then. It, it went away so quickly. It went away and literally a f the, the time frame from me hurting myself to me being fired by my agent and fired by my sponsor through my agent was 15 minutes. Though it happened while I was still sitting on the track hurt. I called like, the agent. Still trying you know, to figure out what was going on. Yeah. Correct. Because I, I figured they, you know, oh, hey, we'll get you a doctor. We'll get you somewhere, you know, close by. They'll fix you up. Everything will be good. No, it was too too soon. Pulled hamstring with high jumping. Not going to happen. Wow. So that was it was detrimental. And weirdly enough, and I love to tell this story because that was one of the most horrific points of my life that caused me to do something incredibly dramatic. Um, yeah. I just, I, yeah, I decided in that moment, I'm not, I'm a human being that's incapable of comp of accomplishing my dreams. Mm -hmm. So if I can't accomplish my dreams in life for, cause for whatever reason, I'm going to help other people accomplish theirs. Mm. So in that moment is when I started taking YouTube seriously. I said, Hey, you know, I'm not great at writing. I'm not great um, at really any, any, any type of education. Um, yeah. But what I can do is I can teach people how to jump higher. <laughs> so yeah. weirdly enough, I went to a brand new website called YouTube. It was there were two at the time, YouTube and Viddler, and mm -hmm. they were v neck and neck. I chose YouTube, thank goodness, and started putting out jumping content, and how to jump higher, and proper jumping technique. And I just started getting bombarded with people wanting to jump higher, basketball players mainly, and that wow. ultimately started this transition of building. Um, you know, what, what is now the world leader in basketball training and then going off from there and doing it in, you know, uh, baseball or yoga or golf or all these other different spaces. This, this is so, yeah, this is so amazing to me because, you know, one of the, we, we kind of hear this all the time with, with our, our guests that have been successful is there's, there's almost always something that they go through that d during the time just seems like hell. Right. right. It just seems so bad, but it causes them to uh, to shift or adjust or make a change that ends up being a pivotal moment in their life for for doing something possibly way bigger than they could have ever done. Right? Absolutely. For, for me, it was, you know, the moment that I got my DUI and I was kicked out of the Air Force, you know, for you is when you got you got a, a hamstring pull and it <laughs> you know, ruined your Olympic dreams. So, so you get onto YouTube. This is the early years of YouTube. What was, what was that like? What, you know, this is the wild, wild west at that point. Well, you know, I, I was ignorant to it. Um, first of all, I was still living like, you know, I'd moved back home with the parents and I was on yeah. that 56 K farm uh, internet to where I had to, <laughs> I could only upload these little two minute videos at midnight because, <laughs> you know, grandma's calling at lunch or lunch or dinner to make sure oh everyone's home, make sure everyone's safe, make sure nothing in the world is catastrophically happening. And if, if she called the, the, the internet would drop. Yeah, so I can't, you know, I couldn't upload. So that was the, the biggest adjustment or when I look back as the shocking thing is it took hours to upload these little video clips yeah. that nowadays we just take for granted. Like it's so easy. But, you know, I was ignorant to the process and I didn't understand YouTube. So I was putting out content trying to impress people. Mm -hmm. I was saying, you know, putting out a video like, uh, you know, proper dorsiflexion and amortization phase for jumping. 
where, yeah. you know, a 14 year old wanting to dunk would much rather click on the video, how to jump higher, which I literally, that, yeah, that, yeah, that title right there was something I, that, that was like one of my first breakthroughs. I took a video like amortization phase, vertical jump, blah, blah, blah. And I just changed it to how to jump higher. And it blew up and it took and off everybody and everybody like, started to watch it. Yeah. Right. And that's what I, that was one of my first realizations coming from kind of an ignorant, never doing this before of, wait a second, if I start putting content out and, and, you know, titling videos in a way that people could actually like wait, the way that their brains are thinking, if they're new to this, you know, sport or this opportunity or this thing that they want to learn, what would they actually type into search? And that was my first real breakthrough that probably happened around uh, 2008, 2009. And that's, this is so funny because, you know, we at High Impact Coaching, we coach coaches, right? And mm -hmm. just, like, just like you're talking about, like, they're incredibly intelligent. They're experts in their space. And one of the things that they struggle the most with that we always have to help them learn is like, that, like exactly that. Like, don't put out the, you know, the piece of content around how to you know, get proper, I, I couldn't even remember what you said, proper dorsal flexion to get, you know, your, whatever it is, right? right? Glute maximization and dorsal flexion to, you know, whatever it's, can, <laughs> can you add six inches to your vertical or something? Like right. That, right, exactly. And, exactly. and I think it's, you know, we call it the curse of knowledge. So, <laughs> you know, I love that you learned that early on, and that's probably a huge reason for, for your success over the next, you know, over a decade, if you will, right? Yeah, it absolutely was. And it was also the, the you know, the, the removal of the ego at that point, because I was so desperately creating content to impress the yeah. other trainers and show mm. them how smart I was and how knowledgeable I was, um, that I was impressing them while the 99% the of audience didn't know what the hell I was even talking about. They were wow. skipping over I, that video. I, that I, I wanted... I have to, I have to reiterate what you just said. You know, it's literally the ego. It's our ego that wants to, per, you know, it wants to show other people how smart we are, but in the end, it's preventing us from getting connected to people and getting views. Absolutely. hundred percent, hundred percent. And that, you know, especially with YouTube, it's YouTube as a whole for most, most markets, you can, you can adapt and you can adjust just your channels. But for the most part, you're, you're typically dealing with the beginner market. They're not quite to the point of maybe they're, they're reaching out to, to proper coaching or mentorship. They're learning on their own in the comfort of their homes or privately. Uh, they're typically very, uh, you know, at least in a beginner phase, I like to do the, the 10 point scale. But a lot of people on YouTube are, are ones, twos, and threes trying to become yeah. fours and fives. They're not yeah. eights and nines trying to become tens. And as, and as experts, we're up at the eight, nine, and, right. and we're trying to impress the other eight, nine people. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So, so what really, you know, you, you start to learn how to, how to properly title things and how important that is for, for search engine optimization and YouTube optimization. What really caused you to take off at that point? Um, I think that I was at the time one of the first people who really comprehended, at least one of the first people I knew that really comprehended uh, the the proper path to to success. And what I mean by that is, we put out content. Most creators put out content, and they they actually are trying to please themselves. Um, mm -hmm. The example being, I'm going to put out this video to impress other coaches. Yeah. Um. That that that's a a bad idea. Now, the second thought and the second level, you think, okay, I'm going to put out content to impress my audience or the people who want this training. I'm going to help them. You know, that, that's better. That's for sure better than just trying to please yourself. But really the third layer and the most important layer is I started realizing 
if YouTube doesn't like my content, if I'm not playing and creating content by what YouTube wants me to create, nothing else matters. They're the gatekeeper. So I reversed it and I tell everyone, hey, goal number one, you, you, you make YouTube happy. Then you make your audience happy. And then only then do you make yourself happy when it comes to content creation. I, I, that's so huge. And I think that's something, you know, and whatever social media platform you're on, I think right. that applies, right? Whether it's YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, that sh- that really should be the, the methodology if we're looking to grow and scale an audience. What is the platform looking, what, what does the platform want from you? Right. Does it, it does it want viewership? You know, one of the things that you and I were talking about is, you know, is it YouTube shorts? Is it longer form content right now? Is it, you know, what makes YouTube happen first? And then we can kind of go after what the audience wants, right? Yeah. So YouTube's in a transitional phase. They're they're playing catch up to TikTok. They're playing catch up the reels. Um, YouTube yeah. Shorts, which um, for those familiar, it's fairly you know it's fairly new. It's all, you know only a matter of uh, you know maybe a six, seven, eight months uh, of being being utilized, and only a few months now, kind of globally. It started in India, and it was in India for months and months only. Um, but with Shorts. It's completely opposite of what the YouTube algorithm is, has really been known for and really wanted. So I'll start there. And I, I like the idea of eventually these two things are going to bridge together, but they yeah. haven't bridged yet. So I like to look at them as two separate things. Interesting. When it comes, yeah. yeah, when it comes to YouTube from a long form, which is typical long form content, uh, I like to look at, at, at two metrics that really matter. And this simplifies it the most. One is I call it front front end metrics, which means what happens before someone actually clicks to watch a video. Mm-hmm. So we can look at it from, from three different traffic sources. One is search traffic. That's what we're all familiar with. People are on YouTube, they're searching for things, they're, they're looking, they're clicking on a video that, that they feel could answer that question or will uh, you know scratch that itch of whatever they're after. Yeah. The mistake people make is they think YouTube, that they think that's YouTube. Um, yeah. YouTube's we, a number, we all number hear, two search we all engine. Hear, yeah, we all hear that that you know Google is the the most used search engine. YouTube is the second most used search engine. Right. So that's, what, that's the first thing that I think of. Yeah. Exactly, and you know the, what I would tell tell folks is that's correct. But Google and YouTube, they're the the biggest data driven you know platform, or arguably the biggest data driven platform. They have more information on us than practically anyone, um, and they're, they're leveraging that. Mm-hmm. So YouTube search is for a healthy channel is generating between t- between ten and twenty percent of your total viewership. That's wow. it. That's I, it. So I did not know that. <laughs> right. So while while folks are fighting so hard, you know, in the business space, they're fighting to get number one um, keywords over over yeah. Gary V, for example. It's like good luck. Good luck. You're. It's it's probably not going to happen. But that's okay because while everyone else, the ninety per percent plus of channels are fighting for keywords that they're never going to get. Hey, why don't we better understand what what the algorithm really is doing and what it's really after? And we'll concentrate on that 80% of traffic that the majority of people aren't even fighting over. And that to come full circle, that is the algorithmic traffic based off of the other two traffic sources, which are browse traffic and then suggested traffic. The browse traffic is your homepage. When you go to your homepage, what does YouTube recommend? The suggested traffic is, hey, when you're watching content, what what is YouTube uh, going to automatically play next? After, or, after you watch the Gary V video, what automatically comes after that? 
Exactly. And that that's what I love to say. And I think we had this conversation is, hey, while everyone else is trying to become, you know, number one for X keywords over Gary V, what if we just showed up every single time after Gary V? How, how valuable would wow. that be? And that's the game that we play to differentiate nowadays that that is, allows us to grow channels much quickly or quicker than than you know assuming me assumingly most competition who are still playing the the search engine game. But how do how do how do you do it right? That's kind of the question. Is going back to that front end, what happens before the click to watch and back end, what happens after they click to watch? So the front end is really based on three things: one, your thumbnail. How click, clickable is that thumbnail? Um, a lot of people think, oh, if you have a poor click-through rate, you just need a better thumbnail. That's not always the case. It's 50-50 thumbnail and headline. And you title, have to yeah. have yep, you have to have that headline that crushes it. But you then mean third, the, the dorsal flexion titles, not even if you got a great exactly. thumbnail, the dorsal flexion title is not gonna do it for you. You got it, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that that clarity in that thumbnail is so key. And then the, the, the part that a lot of folks mess up on and, and and miss out on is they're not creating the right content for the right people. And that sounds so yeah. simple. Um, and it sounds so logical, but the way that YouTube works, just like in really any other social media, is there's a concentric growth um, you know, a, a, a strategy, so to speak, with its algorithm. What do your best subscribers do when you upload X video? Do they watch it? Do they not watch it? Do they interact? Do they not interact? Um, like a Facebook post, for example, if that if you put out that video and it does well with your core group, then it's going to maybe show it to those viewers more. Right. And then if they do well, then maybe it starts to show up to those subscribers that haven't interacted with you for a while. Then if they do well, maybe it shows it to that cold traffic. So that is all happening, you know, on the front end, I like to say, of how do we generate the best possible click through rate possible? Again, that's thumbnail, that's headline. But most importantly, I love to say this, put, create videos that 100% of your subscribers would click on. And yeah. I like to think of it 100%. If I, you know, if I'm a soccer channel and I put out goalie information, but I know they're, you know, only one out of uh, what is it, 11 players um, on a it's field or playing goalie. Yeah. Right. Then only a minority of that viewership is likely going to watch that video. Um, with I Love Basketball, my channel, I don't do a lot of center content because most kids today, unless they're seven foot, they don't really, they, they're, they're learning how to be a guard. Yeah. Right. So I focus on guard training. So that that's that front end. Then on the back end, it's how do you keep people watching? Um, it's a, and, you know, you want to a, a pull and create as much watch time as possible. And the biggest mistake people make is their videos are just too short. You know, they yeah. put out one one or two minute videos. Well, you could have a 100 percent watch rate. Uh, people only stick around one or two minutes or I can put out a you know Xander puts out a 10 minute video that has a 40 percent watch rate. You're generating four minutes of watch time versus per viewer than the Rather one or two minutes per. Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of a big overview. So I'll hush down and answer any that's, questions. Or I, I think that's <laughs> yeah, I think that's super helpful for anybody anybody like interested in YouTube. One one thing that I'd love to ask you is why YouTube? Why YouTube right now? What's what you know? Why would anybody be interested in YouTube versus TikTok versus Facebook versus uh, versus Instagram? I think that's a, a fantastic question. And my response would be that there's a, a level of relationship building 
that occurs via long form content and though though attention's getting getting more and more difficult to you know to 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 grab to hold on to there is a mass audience a, a lot of people who want to watch long form who want to learn in long form scenarios and settings and the value of getting them in, into your ecosystem um and you know looking at it from from a business standpoint we're seeing anywhere from 10 to 1 value of a YouTube subscriber or a lead from YouTube compared to a, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok lead. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's, that's so important. The other, the other thing, and I, I don't know if uh, you resonate with this as well, but one of the big things that drove us to YouTube was, you know, I go put a ton of energy and time into a, a Facebook post or an Instagram post in the next 24 to 48 hours. It's pretty much gone. Um, it's pretty much dead. Right. Right. Whereas, right. you know, YouTube, it can keep growing. It can keep living. It can, it can have a, you know, it can have a life of its own as it continues and moves forward. Right. So Absolutely. I, don't know, I don't know what your thoughts are there, but I think YouTube from a, from a content, a, a content creator standpoint is very, very supportive. It's slower to grow, but you know, once you get there, it's, it's great. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pushing that, it's pushing that, that snowball up the mountain that, you know, I tell people, and it's the most unbelievable thing with YouTube. And that's, that's actually what drove YouTube, um, or me to YouTube originally was the fact that, Hey, why am I going to put the exact same effort into a video for Facebook or a video here? And then it's going to be useless in a matter of a couple days. Um, yeah. but if we put YouTube on top, you know, this is, is content that's going to be, I mean, we've got videos now that are literally four or five years old, still generating a lot of viewership and a lot of leads for us every day. Um, yeah. and, and that's across many of the businesses. That's what will happen if you do it. But what I love about YouTube is it is such a, it is brutal to grow a YouTube channel. Even if you're doing <laughs> it right, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. But then once you reach that point where YouTube looks at your channel and says, you know what, your click-through rate's good, your watch time's great, you're outperforming competition, we're going to click a button and send you so much traffic that's going to change your life. And yeah. we see it where a YouTube channel will go from generating a few subscribers a day to literally hundreds, if not thousands of subscribers a day, just like that. And then, you know, the other side of YouTube I love is it actually can make you really good money at scale. Once you monetize, yeah. it can make, you know, I mean, we've had channels making a quarter million dollars with with ad revenue just for yeah. YouTube paying you to put out your content to build an audience with their traffic that just makes you a lot more money. So it's hard to beat in that regard. That's beautiful. I love it, man. What what advice would you give to anybody maybe just starting out and wanting to get into a, a, a YouTube channel and and uh, really start to get their message out there. I yeah, so I, I'd say probably a couple things here is one, if you're if you're not creating content that you enjoy to create, and if you're not helping a certain audience, if you're only looking at it, for example, as a, a business metric, it's going to be a very very difficult uh, you know uh, part of your life to stay consistent. Um, yeah. if, if and, it's and something you enjoy there is really important, right? Right. It really is. And it's just, I mean, I've, I've helped people who, who are more money minded and they understand that, Hey, it was a, you know, it was a leg of their business. Um, and, and I've helped people do that, but I'll tell you the people who truly love what they're teaching and they mm -hmm. come to me and they're saying, Hey, you know, I've got this idea of a cool video. I think this will help the audience. I think those people tend to really, really do well. You can just, you can feel it. You yeah. can see it on the video. They, they care. 
um, like yeah. yourself. And then, yeah. you know, the other the other piece of advice is, you know, one is consistency. Um, I like to say, listen, give this a year, put your focus in it, make sure that you're putting out great content. Do not do not pay attention until then um, when it comes to money, when it comes to leads, when it comes to all that stuff. Concentrate on building that core audience. It'll change your life. But secondarily, I would say, mm, I'm not sure exactly what the what the best secondary piece of advice would be outside of you're only in competition with yourself. So mm-hmm. understanding your the the uh, what the algorithm wants, compete with yourself and only yourself to improve your click through rate, to improve your watch time. Uh, every video, try to create content that 100% of your subscribers are going to enjoy. If you yeah. do those three things. Don't comp don't don't start focusing or paying too much attention to the other channels or yeah, which, is, which is a lot easier said than done, by the way. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It really is, um, and that's something that we really, really push on on folks to to say is every channel is different. And these algorithms are so smart. Just because someone has a you know, we've had we've worked with multiple golf channels to where. You know, it's completely different demographic. It's a completely different age. It's a completely different talent level. There, you know, there's this mirroring effect where you kind of, with YouTube, attract the type of audience that really they see themselves in you. Yeah. And that can change everything to where if you're focusing on competition, um, what they're doing may work for them, but it may absolutely destroy your channel if you try to do it. Because it's not you. Yeah. Right. I love that so much. I think that's so powerful. I, I think we've gotten a lot about the YouTube stuff now, Adam. I like you're you're a you're a serial entrepreneur. You've had several businesses. You've made lots of money. You've done business consulting. Um, I'd love to just ask you some personal questions about you and and what it means to be successful. First one being, you know, when it comes to success, what would you define as success? You know, it, it, that's something that has it goes back to ego as well for me. When I yeah. first started, e success was money it was cars you know i had the maseratis and the i8s and you know yeah. wanted to make sure everyone was fully aware that i was so successful you, and, that you made it i may have not gotten right. to go to the olympics but i made it e- yeah exactly and, and you know i'm glad that you bring that up because that was that was part of that because i was originally i was the athlete and that's what i was known for but then yeah. i failed and everyone knew me as the guy who almost made the olympics and that really bothered me so yeah. this was kind of my I wanted everyone to know that, hey, wait a second, Adam's a, a business guy and he's done really, really well despite, you know, that happening. But over time, what success has really meant to me more than anything is I went through that period of working myself ragged and I built a big agency and probably yeah. did a lot wrong and, you know, was overworked and unhappy and making more money than I was ever making. And it was it was hell. I hated it. Yeah. So I, I ended that and then I, I've learn now where digging in with with the people I really enjoy working with, doing the things we really enjoy doing that are making a legitimate and positive difference. Um, probably sounds cliche, probably sounds a little, you know, but it's, you know, but it's, it's always, you know, it's, it's always powerful to hear because I think for, you know, for so many people, um, you know, we all think, it, I, I think it was, um, you know, I was talking about this the other day, I think it was Jim Carrey, that said, you know, I wish financial success to everybody in the world so that, that that one day they can see there's so much more, right? It's like, we can say it all that. the time and it is a cliche, but until you experience it, it's, right. you know, it's, it's hard to really take that, that cliche to heart, right? 
Right. It absolutely is. And, you know, it's one of the reasons I think that kind of moved me away from the, you know, being so extremely money motivated is, you know, once you have money and I totally get it, if you don't have money, um, I get the money motivation and the importance of it. Then when you reach a level of you do have it, um, what I wasn't prepared for is how the world changed around me, how, you know, friends weren't necessarily friends. They wanted something or, you know, the way that people worked with me was, you know, some things didn't go their way, then they were mad at me or this or that or the other. Um, So that all changed as well um, to where I really focus on working only with people I enjoy. And that's, I know not everyone has that opportunity or that privilege, but that to me was what I was striving for. And now that I'm here and I can kind of hand select, Hey, I want to help consult this person because I think they're, they're standing for something and building something great. Or I want to partner in this business because I actually believe in the product and what we're building. So that that's where I, I'd say my my response falls. I, I love that, man. I think that's so powerful. Uh, one last question for you. What's one thing, since, since you did end up going to college, what's one thing you wish you learned in college that you didn't? Ooh, that's a, that's a great question. I think I wish I would have had more respect for the networking opportunities and the capabilities. Mm. Um, Cause I was, you know, I was your athlete that I went to class only cause I had to, if I could sneak out, I would totally sneak out, had no interest in college whatsoever. I was just there because I, I had to be. And I know yeah. that that sounds, sounds bad, but I was a farm boy who never planned on going to college. And when I got there, I told him I wanted to be, you know, a biologist. They said, no, you're going to be in parks and recreation. Cause you're not going to be able to, you know, so I couldn't even do what I wanted to do. They wouldn't let me. So yeah. I would say that I really wish I would have networked better. And um, even to this day with business, wish I would network better because I'm kind of a, you know, a to myself type of person. I, I get that, man. I'm right there with you. Adam, this has been absolutely <laughs> stellar. Where can, where can more people learn about, about you, about Adam, about sport of business? Uh, where can they learn more about you? Absolutely. Sportofbusiness.com. And then when it comes to YouTube, everything YouTube, we have getmoreviews.com. Beautiful. Thank you so much, man. I think everybody's going to get a ton from this. Thanks for being on the show, brother. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton. 